Hello and welcome all you've just found us. Well, thank you very much for plugging us in. Another great episode this week and plenty more in the back catalogue, by the way. Matthew Grant here, partner at Instate London. And we've got over 142,000 downloads now across the podcast. So thank you very much. Well, our founder interviews are always popular. And today we have the person behind the success of an early stage, but increasingly well-known company, Alex Hearn, founder of Slipcase. And as you'll hear, Alex started his career in a more conventional role in insurance, but had always wanted to start up his own business. He took the plunge and six years later, Slipcase is distributing information to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, including, by the way, the Instec London podcast. Maybe that's where you found us. Now, we are very much looking forward to doing more with Alex and his team. We ourselves are publishing our insights, reports, events, newsletters, and interviews every day. And it's very helpful to know what people are actually finding useful. It means we and our members stay timely and relevant, and Slipcase helps us do that. And so, by the way, it does all your great feedback. So please do keep that coming. John Cavanaugh, formerly global CEO of Brokers Willis Re and now chairman of Beat Capital, is also a big fan of Slipcase. I interviewed John in 2020 and asked him then what it was about Slipcase that had caught his attention. I bumped into Alex Hearn at an InsureTech conference and he's a very, very smart and intuitive young man with a great view of technology and the manner in which you can distribute information through markets. And I just think that the platform that he's building to inform the market in a very, very focused and targeted way about what's relevant to them is very interesting. I mean, it's not a publishing business. It's an information gathering aggregator, if you like, for want of a better phrase. And the market's crying out for it. I mean, at Willis Ree, when I ran that business, we were desperate for information. And, you know, we've got the insurance publications, but it needs to be a lot more broad than that. And it needs to be a lot more focused and targeted. Uh, and I think what Slipcase has done is crack that, frankly. Well, they're certainly in the process of cracking it. So I'm very happy to be chairman of that company. That was episode 69, by the way, one of our most popular and well worth a listen. Okay, let's hear from Alex. Alex, great to have you on this. It's going to be a really interesting discussion today. You, I guess we're going to, we're going to claim you as a InStec or InsureTech startup, but of course you've got a whole lot more going on behind that as well. Uh, but you've been a great supporter of ours for, for many years. You set up Slipcase in 2016. Uh, uh, before that, you were in the world of insurance broking, really interested to find out why you left that exciting world and built a business. Uh, you are basically a content hub and you're distributing information from insurers and technology firms and others to your readers. Also been great supporters for us for doing that. So thank you on that. Uh, and also you're helping your clients understand who is accessing their information actually broadly you've got some really good insights about what people are generally interested in these days and you've been a great friend of ours um, and also thank you for your help getting us exposure to the world so welcome great Matthew thank you so much for having me on it's a it's a real pleasure um, um, so yeah thank you thank you very much good but I've rattled off a whole lot there but is there anything I've missed that we should just make sure we're covering first of all just to set the context for Slipcase I would just say we have sort of two very distinctive sides to us. So there's a sort of user side, um, so a platform for individuals across the market to use, um, and then also an organizational side, so our client side, so a platform for companies, um, brokers, carriers, service providers across the market to use as well, which I'll, I'll go into more detail on. What happened in the world of broking 
that made you decide that it was time to go off you know, at a fairly early stage in your career to set up a, a technology business? I left university. I went straight into um, a really great broking team at, at Willis. Um, and uh, we're very lucky. We're sort of a sort of a Lloyd's facing uh, market facing team. We didn't really deal with a client. We just went out to the market and broke uh, a huge sort of variety of accounts. Um, and everyone in my team, I, I sort of I very much looked up to. I was I was the, I was the youngest by quite a way. Um, and really enjoyed a lot of it, you know, being out and about, being in Lloyd's, meeting so many underwriters, um, you know, all the sort of whining and dining side of it. Um, and I learned a huge amount, but I just, I just felt like I, I, I sort of wanted to do my own thing. Um, and I knew that longer term, I didn't want to sort of stay in, in that sector and climb the ladder as such. I wanted to go off and, and, and try, um, try my luck at something. Um, I just didn't, to begin with, I had no idea what that might have been. So you decided you want to go off and do something else, uh, but what do you do? You're a broker, you've got an insurance background. How did you come across the idea that is now Slipcase? I was running around Lloyd's and picked up on the fact that the whole community, the whole <clears throat> industry that I that I was learning about was 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 such a community, and everyone you know knew everyone within their product lines. It was so social. Everyone was so close geographically in in in, um, in London, and you know they knew a lot of the people that were in certain places abroad. Um, and I just couldn't believe that there wasn't a sort of digital environment to to cater for that. Um, at the time, you know, there were lots of social networks, uh, sort of growing massively. And I, and I thought initially this is just made, this industry is made for its own sort of niche social, uh, social networks and sort of left Willis to sort of get it off the ground. And yeah, I, I was, I, I sort of stayed in the, in the Starbucks on, uh, Leadenhall Street for a, a year or so, um, meeting all the people that I'd met. Uh, at my time at Willis, trying to get them onto the platform, using it, interested in it, get their ideas of what, what they would use it for. But I think basically a long, long story short, we realized that, well, I realized that after a year or so, um, people only really wanted to use it to consume the information that was on there. There wasn't really that demand to be social. And if people did want to be social, they could do it on LinkedIn. Um, so realize that had to, we had to sort of shift. Um, and then that took us to sort of yeah, up to 2016 where we did shift, um, and got our, got our first sort of investment to build our own bespoke platform to cater for this new pivoted concept. So essentially you were doing, you know, exploring the product market fit. You, you actually had the courage to, to leave your job because it's kind of hard to do this stuff part time. Had a had a vision, then in a sense pivoted very early on, and that was then defined what is now what we see as slipcase. I was very lucky to have been able to do it. I mean, the, the costs of doing it were so low. Um, I'd got a little, a small sort of bonus at the end of my second year at Willis, and I thought that would be more than enough to get me through, you know, a, a good period of time um, on this on this platform. Um, and then actually, just as I began to sort of run out of money, um, a couple of companies were interested in just sponsoring the, the newsletter that we were sending out at the time. And that you know, enabled me to carry on going for another six months or so. And it just about looked after itself, again, because the cost of it was so, was so small. It just enabled me to spend some proper time figuring out what people actually really wanted, what they didn't want, what I was getting wrong. Um, and yeah, enabled me to sort of build an idea, build more of a concept for this sort of second phase. 
where we could get some investment and really push forward. But yeah, I was, I was very lucky that we were able to do that sort of proof of concept for that couple of years because A, the cost was low and, and B, we had a couple of, a couple of sponsors that paid for it effectively. Can we get a sense of how many companies are using the platform? Now, I know you've got the users, but you've also got, most importantly, you've got the, the people who are reading the content. Of course, you need that. But, but actually, importantly, you've got the people that are actually paying you to put content on, this, on the platform. What's the best way to give us a sense of scale of what you're doing? Is it number of companies that are paying you to put content up there, maybe and or number of people that are actually reading it as well? We are now up to just over 50 companies that we have commercial relationships with. Um, and that they, they are either brokers, carriers or service providers. So on the, on the sort of carrier side, we work with a lot of the major global carriers, Lloyds of London, um, AIG, Travelers, Hiscox, CNA, Tokyo Marine and, and, and many others. Um, on the broking side, we work with, again, a lot of the major larger brokers, um, companies like Marsh and Aon and, and Willis Towers Watson and Gallagher, but also some of the smaller brokers, Ed Broking, a number of service providers to the market as well. So companies that are serving the market, but generating really interesting insights uh, that add value to our to our platform. So companies like EY, Fitch, S&P, RMS, Instat London, of, of course. And then on the user side, we now have over 160,000 users of the platform um, and over 40,000 of those are subscribers to our email service uh, that goes out on a weekly basis. Wow, that's really impressive. I mean, you're not, I guess, you're not sending any worries over to LinkedIn yet, but it's still a really impressive number for a, a, a business-to-business operation and yeah, given six years and, and the way you've progressed. So, so for a company you're talking to about why they should come on the platform versus you, you use more traditional advertising or you put it on their website or put it through LinkedIn, it, what, are you, what are you offering over and above what someone might get by using some of those other different options they've got for distributing their content? From a company side, our, our angle from day one has been um, the quality of the eyeballs that we can serve to organizations. So what we offer is is a sort of dedicated presence on our on our platform. So a company has a fully branded page, um, and that enables them to really clearly showcase who they are and what they do and what their expertise is outwards to the market. And that is always on. So that is irrespective of how much content they produce. That presence is always there from a sort of branding perspective. People can see that they are specialists in all the areas that they specialize in. Uh, we then every time they produce an item of content, whether it be uh, a press release or a blog post or if they've had coverage in a third party publication, we can take a, a, a link to that, a really nice looking preview, put it through our system and make sure that we put that in front of relevant individuals across the global market. Um, and once we do that, we do that all on their behalf. It's fully managed. They don't have to worry about looking after another platform. We then track the uh, the traction of that item and the traction of their page on our system. So every quarter we can then go back to our clients and say, um, this is how you performed. These are the items that you produced that have done well. These are the items that you produced that haven't done so well. Um, so they can really clearly build a picture of the ROI um, that, they're, that they're getting from our system. But also it's not just a retrospective view. It's a forward looking you know, we've we've actually noticed that you guys are particularly interested in the cyber and the um, international property sectors. We've noticed that these are 
um, the sort of general trends among brokers in that sector, for example, and that might help that organization with their content strategy going forward. So it's a retrospective view on how they performed and that obviously helps conversations internally. It helps them justify their spends, but it's also a forward looking view on, uh, you know, what maybe sh- they should be writing about going forward to maximize the traction that they're getting. I really like the idea of quality eyeballs. I'm just trying to think for anybody listening, what are we going to call those? Quality, quality ears for the listeners of the, uh, the Instech podcast. Uh, and, uh, we're not quite at your number of, of, of readers, I guess, but certainly we're tracking, tracking into the thousands or I guess hundreds of thousands if you look over time. I, I, just back on the question of why people do it. The audience is by and large professional people. So for an insurance company doing marketing, What's their motivation to get their message out? Who, who, who do they want to consume their content and then what do they want them to do with it? So the audience side of our system is the audience has really been focused around the broker community, um, the carrier community um, and the risk professional um, sort of community around the around the industry. So. They can come to our system. They sign up. It's free to use. They can, they log in and they pick and choose everything that's relevant to them. So all the product lines that they have an interest in, any interest areas like insurtech or uh, financial results or market moves, whatever they like, uh, companies that they want to hear from, publications that they want to hear from, and they build a sort of personalized feed of content. So they get a sort of curated uh, list of items every day that are relevant to whatever they specialize in. Now, the sort of benefit of that to the user is obviously it removes all the noise. They're only getting stuff that's relevant to them on a day-to-day basis. On the flip side, it's, it's, it's great for the organizations that we work with as well because it's making sure that the content that's being produced by you know, a, a carrier client, for example, is getting distributed to relevant people across the market that have an interest in that particular product. So the... The person who is reviewing the content or signing up to the slipcase content, if they're a broker, they might have a client or they they will have a client, hopefully, if they're they're a broker, uh, with a problem to solve. And so by reading the content that's coming through from the insurance carrier side, they can then certainly sound well-informed, which is important in supporting their clients anyway, but also potentially find someone that might have a, a solution or an insurance product that can match the need of their clients. So you've got a sort of very clear link between what the insurer is getting from their paying you money all the way through to them generating revenue by distributing their insurance product. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, from that individual broker's perspective, they you know, they are interested in a set list of things, whether it be products or interest areas across the market. You know, the more that they can understand about those areas, the better they can be at, at, at what they do. And that might be, you know, if they follow cyber, they specialize in cyber, they want to know about a big cyber attack that's happened. Um, and they want to keep up to date with the impact that that's had across across different industries. But they also want to know what the impact of that is within the insurance world, what, how it's impacted rates. Um, yeah, AIG might then produce a report on that cyber attack. That's a really interesting view from a carrier on what's happened uh, in the market. So it gives you a sort of really broad perspective of yes, news, insights, um, breaking news from, from trade media outlets, but also you know, deeper thought leadership around those areas, which enable these brokers, these individuals to be you know, more sophisticated, more um, more informed about what they specialize in and you know, build their expertise over time so they can be better at what they do. 
Okay, so you've got this sort of great content distribution to some extent your users, where you've described it as now self-serve. But what about an organization that's working with you that actually wants to find an efficient way to distribute content to their own people? Is it up to the individual user to go and track down what they want? Or are you also now starting to help at a corporate level the companies that are consuming the information to be able to distribute it to their own uh, teams and employees? This is actually a, a newer um, side to what we do. So we built an API a couple of years ago, um, which really enables us to uh, build bespoke feeds for companies to plug into their own internal systems. It helps make their own systems more interesting for employees, uh, for them to come back to and use more often. Um, but also, you know, obviously enables them to keep their own employee base really informed and up to date with this broad perspective of content from across across the web. Um, so we really act as a, as an aggregation tool in that respect. So we're just pulling together really great article links, serving them up in an attractive format. And if a user or an employee of that business wants to read an article, they'll click on it. It will open a new tab and they'll read and they'll read that article. Um, and we can build those around a company's own um, preferences. So it can be around you know, product lines that they specialize in. It could be around publications that they really want to hear from. Um, it can be around publications that they subscribe to. Um, so we work very closely with the content providers as well as the consumers. Um, but yeah, that's been an amazing uh, addition to what we do. It's, it's meant that we can you know, expand our reach significantly by plugging into these organizations across the market. And it sounds like you've you've very cleverly made great use of that network effect. So I'm assuming, as you said, you get paid by people that want to distribute their content. But I'm assuming when you then talk to companies about providing them with the API and helping them distribute it internally, you're able to charge for that as well. Because you, as I, if I got it right, you don't charge people to sign up to your slipcase newsletter or the site. But if you're starting to get more curation for them, you're charging for that, are you? Yeah, exactly. We are, but we are, we're charging for the aggregation service. You know, we make very clear that we're not a, we're not producers of the content. We, that we work with content providers that produce the content themselves and publish it. We then act as this aggregation and curation tool that can be plugged in. So yes, we do, but, but in a, in a sort of way that, um, acts as a, as a, as a smaller barrier to entry as possible for us because it is also such a beneficial thing for us as a platform to be plugged into as many organizations across the market as possible. So it covers our costs, yes, but it's much more of a sort of strategic play from our perspective. Or not normally a creator of content because, well, hopefully all being well, you'll be distributing this podcast across the slipcase channels. So there will be some Alex Hearn generated content going out into your your network <laughs> which very neutrally curated of course <laughs> which by the way alex means that if you don't you know, if you don't hit the top of the charts for the uh the podcast downloads because you own a content distribution platform uh <laughs> questions will be asked <laughs> we're just the messenger matthew you know that's that's it yeah uh so good to just get some some more numbers thank you for sharing the other ones so in terms of what are you seeing in terms of uh you know, ways of measuring i guess what people are interested in, if you've got some statistics you can share about you know, what people are engaging with and, and where about in the world. We spend a lot of time tracking the behavior of, of, of um, users on our platform. It's all very much anonymized. So it's not done on a sort of individual basis, but we can sort of pull data together and figure out 
trends across our system on who's reading what and which product lines are, are trending, what people are reading within product lines so that we can build these really clear pictures of you know, trends across the market that enables us to then be better at serving up content on our system, but also then enables us to, to report back to clients in a much more um, sort of sophisticated way on a, on, a, on a regular basis. So we could give you in short tech as an example, give you a couple of sort of top line views on, on stats that we've picked up on over the last um, last couple of years. So we've seen in short tech, interested in short tech across the board, in short tech related articles increase. They increased by 44% from 2020 to 2021. Delving a bit deeper into that, we've, we found that users in the US are much more likely to interact with short tech content than in the UK still. So about 20% more likely, which was an interesting outcome. Um, also that the C-suite at the moment, or the, the more senior an individual is, the more likely they are to have an interest in short tech, um, which was slightly against what we, what we sort of thought would be the case as we went into, um, into looking at this, this sector of the market. Um, also two of the top 10 items that have been consumed across our whole system over 2021, uh, were in short tech related, um, which was interesting, although one of them wasn't necessarily a hugely positive one. Another interesting sort of insight was that in short tech, um, in the reinsurance world, both from a broker and an underwriter perspective, it, well, interactions from a reinsurance world are 20% higher at the moment than in the insurance world. So there seems to be more of an interest from carriers and brokers in the reinsurance sector than uh, in the insurance sector as per our statistics. And also the service providers that we work with, they vary in, in company type from consultancies to tech providers to ratings agencies. But if they produce an item on InsureTech, it's 34, 35% um, more popular than other items of content across the system. So it is, from their perspective, a really popular thing to be sharing across the system. I'm intrigued by those, the two articles you mentioned, or two of the top 10 articles for InsureTech in particular. Uh, <laughs> I think we all like to know the doom and gloom stories out there. What was the title of the article and how can people find it if they want to know the one that was that was uh, not so positive that made it to your top 10? <laughs> the first one was uh, in short tech free for don't look down, which was published in 2021. And the second was uh, Chubb CEO Greenberg says some in short techs are more about hype than transformation. I guess no surprise to hear that some in short techs have dipped. I mean, like any new technology any new area you know that there's going to be some that grow some that fail there's going to be some hype out there we've seen what's happened in the publicly traded markets with the insure tech companies where i think all of them now are trading below what their list price was although in many cases they're still, they're still quite highly rated despite that uh anyway we'll take a look out for that article insure tech freefall don't look down track down who the author was and give people a link back to that on the slipcase site so they can find it and uh and see what it says but yeah inevitably you know if there wasn't if there wasn't some negative comments out there then you kind of feel we're probably still in the hype stage one final thing matthew just to add to that list um we also really interesting observation we found the difference between sort of carriers and brokers is at the moment the vast majority of insurtech content is being produced by the broking organizations they're producing around 50 percent more than carriers however the insurtech content that is being produced by carriers is getting a lot of traction. There's a big demand for it. Uh, it's getting, on average, 40% more traction than the broker items. So uh, there's a lot of demand out there for that content. It's not necessarily at the moment being met. Hi. 
Ali from the Insect Research Team here. We have now released our report on climate change regulation and measurement, 22 companies to know. Head to www.insect.london forward slash reports to download it, free of charge for members. You can also watch back our online launch event where Matthew and I were joined by experts in the field to talk about the report's findings. The link is in the podcast notes. And then a slightly self-serving question, but what's your view about how people are changing in how they're consuming information? So we've talked about people you're reading newsletters, getting links to your website. I'm sure I know you can consume it on mobile. But what about people now listening to podcasts and I guess also you know, online webinars and Zoom and things like that? Are you, I don't know if you're able to track that specifically. And if not, have just you got an opinion on what you're hearing anecdotally about how people's preferences are evolving? We absolutely do have the ability to track that. Um, so we tag everything uh, that goes through the system um, to the format that it's produced in. In the early days of what we were doing, it was very, very much focused on press releases and then the occasional blog post. The company's got quite heavy into producing videos um, and that sort of worked in some ways. And then and then companies actually pulled back quite significantly on producing videos because they weren't getting as much traction as they thought they would. And then yeah, over time, I think over the over the pandemic, that sort of reemerged as well as podcasts and webinars and and other forms of of of, of content. So yeah, we've seen especially over, since the pandemic started, an amazing increase in interest around podcasts in particular, actually, um, from all of our users around the world. A really broad variety of people have an interest in 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 those podcasts. And actually, there are podcasts being generated now in all sectors of of the industry. The press releases and the big announcements and the you know, big topical blog posts that can be read quite quickly on the train or whatever are still getting, you know, the, I would say the majority of the traction on our system. But without question, uh, formats like podcasts and webinars have increased in popularity massively over the last couple of years. And we will delve into more detail on that in the report that we, that we do with you guys uh, in the coming months. Good to hear that anecdotally. And then let's talk a bit about the report because... Yeah, we are looking forward to co-distributing, co I think, we're going to be doing with this report. Uh, you're going to be doing most of the work. I get the, uh, I get the easy bit, which is doing the introduction. Can you just give a, a taster of what's going to come out in that report in terms of you know, what people can expect from it? And even if you've got some other stats in terms of you know, what you're seeing thematically? We're in the, in the middle of producing it at the moment. Um, we're going to be doing sort of 10 hard hitting observations, trends across across the market. The data that we're pulling from is from a, a really strong number of, of users, but also views and clicks that are feeding the general information. And that's from uh, an audience that, 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 that spans the world. So far, the observations that we found were about six through are, well, a couple of them are absolutely what you would not expect um some very unusual trends especially from the broker um market during during the pandemic um but yeah i won't go into too much too much detail now but it's 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 certainly proving to be a um a very interesting read also it'd be interesting to compare it with our survey and that's available for anybody that is an instec member we surveyed 130 companies spoke to about 190 people asking them of 15 themes, you know, which ones they felt were most relevant to what they're doing, both from the you know, insurance carrier side and also people building technology. Uh, again, we had some surprises from that. It wasn't nearly as 
in depth as yours, but I think directionally it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's some consistency in there, uh, and also, yeah, really intrigued to see what surprises you've got coming up. So, so looking forward to that. You've got some new developments coming out this year, I believe. Can you talk a bit about those? We're using the data that we've been collecting over the last couple of years, um, to make the experience better from a, from a user perspective. Um, so for example, you know, we, we've got a really clear view now on a daily basis and a weekly basis, which articles are trending across the wider market. And we're able to then serve that back up to users in a really nice and, and clear format on their own, uh, dashboards. We also can pick up on big incidents that happen across, across the market, whether it be a, earthquake or a cyber attack or a ship sinking or a plane crashing whatever it might be we've built a sort of ai function into our content curation system so we're pooling content into our system in a much more intelligent way Um, and we've got big plans out in the us as well so um, as part of our build um, we are americanizing the platform for us users and we're also um, opening an office out in new york which is very exciting well when i say opening an office i mean renting a we work desk but uh, <laughs> same idea uh, which is a very exciting step for us as well congratulations on that and it's that land feed and expand strategy that seems to be working for you and then you've known us for a while it's great to be doing this partnership we're getting the benefits of what you're offering from slipcase yeah we're working together with you now as a member i mean what is it that's you kept you coming back to our events and keep talking to us you've got a lot going on you guys are creating such a variety of information of content um, from across the InsTech and SureTech space. Um, and that fits with our system very nicely because we're then able to then push that to, to, to different audiences across the market that might be interested in specific things that you guys produce. So it's a great fit with what we do. Um, our ambition as a platform is to affiliate ourselves with the best content providers across the, the global market. Um, and you know, we're very, very proud to be working, working with you guys and explaining that relationship o- over time. Um, and looking forward to getting, getting into some more face to face events this year as well with you guys. No, I thank you for your support. I mean, uh, you've, you've put some real commitment and time into what we're doing together. So, so really appreciate that. And you're learning, learning a lot. And then, and finally, for anyone that is listening and you want to give them one thing above all else to remember about Slipcase or one thing they should go and do after listening to that, what is your uh, final thought? As an individual, Please go to the platform, slipcase.com, register. It takes 30 seconds. Um, it's free of charge to sign up to our system um, and have a play and let us know what you think. Um, as a company, please go to slipcase.com, have a look at our Join as an Organization page. You get a really clear view of what we can offer you as, a, as an organization, and please get in touch if we can provide any more um, information. I think, yeah, I mean, in general, as a summary, we are you – know, our ambition is to intelligently curate the web for risk and reinsurance professionals. Um, and for individuals, it's free to use. So please feel free to, to, to log in and, and, and sign up and let us know what you think. Great. And you are based in London. You're a short two minutes walk away from Lloyd's and I'm sure we're going to be seeing you back at our events again as we kick those off again. So I guess Alex, if anybody wants to see you face to face, they can do that as well. But uh, looking thank forward you. to it. Well, Thank you very much. And yeah, look forward to seeing you face to face too in the not too distant future. Thanks so much, Matthew. Well, you can find out exactly what Alex and his team are doing on www.slipcase.com. And whilst you're there, take a look at the Instec London section too. Of course, you can also find out everything that we're up to on our own website, www.instec.com. 
www.ali-london.london, including the report Ali mentioned, now available for download, and our live and digital events. We've got two events coming up in March, and there may still be time if you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday to join us on the 2nd of March or again on the 29th of March here in London. Doors open 5.30. Now, if you're wondering what you're missing out by not being a member, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, insurer, technology company, investor or more, then contact us, hello at instec.london to find out, or you can get hold of me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn. That's it. We're done for today. <laughs>